with re-ups from traditional institutional LPs, far from a given in the current market. What alternative pools of capital are sponsors seeking out to diversify their LP bases and get their fundraisers over the line? What are the medium and longer term trends driving private money and untapped capital into private markets? And how can sponsors access these pools of capital? We'll be discussing all this and more with a guest interview from Titan Bay CEO Thomas Eskebeck in today's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to this new episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. My name is Harriet Matthews. I'm funds editor at Unquote Emerger Market, and I'll be your host for today. In this episode, we'll be focusing on how sponsors are looking to harness alternative pools of capital for their fundraisers in a market where commitments from traditional institutional LPs are harder to come by. We'll have an interview for you later with Thomas Eskebeck, CEO of Titan Bay. But for now, to discuss the topic with me, I'm pleased to welcome my colleague Rachel Lewis, private equity reporter at Unquote and Merger Market. Rachel, welcome again to the podcast. Hi, Harriet, and hi to everybody listening at home. Great. Now, in the last episode, which was our Q1 review, we spoke about the importance of liquidity for private equity, partly when it comes to deals, uh, exits, and you know management company level. But this is a topic that's also relevant in the context of what we're talking about today, but obviously for LPs who are suffering from uh, liquidity constraints due to a fall in distributions last year, as well as having to contend with the denominator effect. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest problems with fundraising, well, if not the biggest at the moment, is that basically all institutional LPs are over-allocated to private equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, private assets in general, because of the the effect that, it's, that we're seeing in public markets at the moment. Um, so yeah, new pools of capital, I think, are where a lot of GPs are spending their time institutional LPs are saying, well, come back to us next year, you know, da, 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 da. But I think, uh, yeah, a few new pools of capital, which are particularly interesting. People are excited, if a little bit cautious, but private wealth, you know, high net worth individuals is one corner that, um, and particularly it's tier one sponsors seem in a rush to seize at the moment. Exactly, because I suppose a lot of them have the kind of infrastructure to manage some of their, you know, those those relationships. Um, but increasingly, we're obviously seeing people use kind of intermediaries and different platforms as well. Some examples that we've been uh, kind of seeing fairly recently are sort of projects or um, products, I suppose, um, like the Ardian Access Solution. That's a private equity unit-linked product, which was launched by BNP Paribas Cardiff and BNP Paribas Banque Privée. And on the sponsor side, we've seen press reports and a confirmation on LinkedIn as well that HG partner Martina Sano has taken on a new role as head of HG Wealth. And that's a unit within HG, obviously a sponsor a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with, um, that's offering bespoke investment products um, you know, for, for private wealth. Yeah, and I think it's important that, and interesting the different approaches that sponsors are taking to look at these alternate pools of capital. Fundraising, it's incredibly complex. There's a lot of regulation around it. And so funds need to stay compliant. They need to keep the costs down because there's a hell of a lot of 
paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's some really interesting solutions in the market. And um, I think it's important to remember, you know, people talk about the the retail market for private investments. And on the face of it, you know, that screams like an individual person sat at their desk trading like they would in the stock markets. But that's not how this new strand of private wealth investing in in funds is working. Um, you know, it's it's pools of money which are brought together. And to the new relationships and platforms, it's not necessarily your everyday trader. It also means that we're bringing smaller family offices, endowments, and and still large tickets, but ones which are perhaps a bit more limited into GP funds. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely a distinction to be made um, between the the kind of you know retail investor, the kind of average person, versus some of these pools of capital which are you know regulated in a, a slightly different way um, and are incredibly valuable for for sponsors, especially when they can sort of use a, a platform or, as I said, an intermediary for that. And with that, um, I think now is a good time for us to take a listen to our guest interview with Thomas Iskabek from Titan Bay. And we'll be back afterwards with you to share some of the key takeaways from that interview. Thomas, welcome to the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. Thanks very much for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. Now, for some of our listeners um, who might not be familiar with Titan Bay, I wondered if you could give a bit of an introduction. What do you do essentially and, and what problems are you kind of looking to address through what you do? Of course. So taking a step back, Titan Bay is a platform that enables access to some of the best private equity funds in the world to smaller investors. Um, and we work with primarily with private banks and with wealth managers to give them an intern solution that allows them to offer private markets to their clients. If we look across the private bank and wealth management space today, they, they their clients have a, a, a wish to invest in private markets, but don't necessarily have the means to do that. And that's what we offer. We have a solution that does that and solves everything for in that process. <clears throat> the reason we work with the private banks and the wealth managers is because we believe that more high net worth and ultra high net worth investors and, and small investors should have access to private markets and should benefit from private markets. But we also strongly believe that it's not just about investing in a few funds and getting exposure. It's What it is about is building a diversified portfolio of some of the top tier funds in the world so you get the full benefit for private markets. And obviously build it in such a way that it fits with your overall investment objectives and what you want to do. And because of that, we feel that working with the private banks and the wealth managers who already have a relationship with with the clients and the end investors and have a holistic view of their situation, we believe that that is the best way to serve the end investors and give them the best possible outcomes and and the most suitable uh, suitable exposure to private markets. Right, of course. And why does what you're doing matter in the current fundraising market, thinking maybe about some of the problems that sponsors might be having with uh, getting existing LPs in, you know, let alone new ones? Yeah, I think I think it's not just for the current fundraising market. I think it's a general trend. Uh, we believe it's a general trend. We see a huge shift in demand for private markets, especially from the smaller the smaller investors and the medium-sized investors who can't uh, historically haven't been able to access private markets um, for for various reasons. <clears throat> There's a huge shift in demand in, in that direction. And what we're seeing from the from the GPs is actually that 
they recognize this and they recognize this new pool of capital and they want to have access to it. And we obviously bridge that gap and 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 enable that through through the the platform and and the solutions that we bring to the to the table. But I think the important thing is that for these investors who haven't really had access to this space before, all of a sudden they're able to access this in a thoughtful and 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 constructive and strategic way. And that's that's what we feel is very, very important. For the GPs, obviously, it's a new pool of capital. It's a it's it's a way to expand without uh, cannibalizing existing relationships. For the end investors, it's access to a new asset class um, that they can that that we believe is hugely beneficial from an investment perspective. And from the kind of GP perspective, obviously, they're looking for alternative uh, pools of capital at the moment. And, um, you know, vintage to vintage, it's it's important to do that uh, in any case, regardless of the current market, I guess. But they could look to other pools of, of capital, I guess. They could, you know, try to engage more with certain types of family offices or kind of smaller regional pension funds. Why would you say that the kind of high net worth and ultra high net worth, private capital, private banks sort of segment of the market is a viable option for them versus other pools they could tap? Do you have, you know, data or or any research on on this that you could kind of present to me and, and to our listeners on that? Absolutely. So I think, first of all, when we talk about uh, the investors we serve through the wealth management and the private banks, that actually extends into small institutional investors. So we have a number of family offices and small foundations, endowments, even pension funds who can't meet the uh, the 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 ticket size criteria of, of the large funds and can't deploy in that way or rather they can't they can't get to a diversified portfolio because of the minimums and that's the problem we solve uh, one of the problems we solve um, <clears throat> so it is it is quite a broad uh, range of investors of small investors who today don't have access and <clears throat> from a pool of capital from a GP's perspective this is obviously a very very attractive pool of capital because typically it's not affected by any any um, denominator effects it's less affected by some of those those macro shifts that are happening um and it and it bounces back quickly but it's also in a very attractive pool of capital um, there's no uh, there's no uh, competition with the existing uh, with the existing pools of capital and there's a huge shift in this direction as i mentioned before if you look back there were a number of reports over the last couple of years one of them i think was a pwc report from 2021 where they were suggesting that you'd have a shift of roughly uh, doubling the assets deployed into into private markets and the vast majority of this would come from smaller investors who are now moving into this asset class. Um, and I think that that's reflected both in what we see in, in the market, but also what what the various research and reports show. And the model that, that Titan Bay has then thinking about, you know, obviously these types of investors, they're probably not going to want to make a one-off commitment. They're not going to want to keep committing, keep diversifying. And, and GPs typically want to you know, raise raise further funds, private equity is a long term asset class, and they want to you know keep being able to to invest from from fund to fund in in different markets. So, how does your model actually work once you've kind of connected GPs with the pool of capital you provide through your platform? How can you kind of scale for you know different fund sizes and larger fund sizes as as uh, allocations continue to develop? Yes, yeah, so I think it, it comes back to the point I mentioned before about we we very strongly believe that private markets is not about just having exposure to one or two funds. It's about actually building a diversified portfolio. And that's the philosophy and the thinking that we bring along through our partners to the end investors. 
and it's 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 so ingrained in everything we do. It's part of the tools we provide. It's part of the analytics. It's part of the research we provide. So it's very very ingrained in everything we do. And we believe that it's a very part of uh, a very strong part of the reason why we're seeing such strong demand from the from the private banks and the wealth managers because they recognize that this is a holistic approach to private markets. Part of that is, of course, that when you commit to funds, it's not just the one-off. It is about thinking about a series of funds. It's about thinking of a whole family of them and, and looking at, at those across vintages. So as we plan out our allocation strategy, we look not just at, at, a, at a single fund or as a one-off investment. We look at the manager. We look at that series of funds. We look at it. What does that look like from a vintage perspective? Uh, and we are now re-opping with, with, with a number of the funds that we invested with when we originally set out a, a few years back that are now back in the market. And we believe it's a very, very important part of, of the strategy. Obviously, still assessing whether the GP is still delivering what we, they need to deliver. Um, but uh, but for the for the great GPs in the world, that's obviously the case. And therefore, we believe it's important for our investors to also continue their exposure. As, as you know, with, with private markets, there is a, a J-curve effect, and we go into the details of that. But, but it's about building a portfolio that's self-sustaining and self-perpetuating uh, in a way. Uh, and that's what we, what we aim to do, and that's what we, uh, what we help our investors to do. Um, so for us, as we scale, uh, or as our GPs scale, we can definitely scale with them, both through uh, uh, re-ops from existing investors, but also because we continuously add new wealth managers and new private banks to our platform. So our reach gets wider and wider and wider. And therefore, we add more more capital to the mix and, and broaden that pool of capital for the GPs. Great. And speaking of scaling, I'd be interested to just ask you a bit about uh, what Titan Bay's plans are for you know your own development. How are you looking to uh, expand and enhance your platform in the next 12 months or so? I, I know you raised, uh, I think I'm right in saying, a Series A round in 2022. What's What's next for you? That's correct. Yeah, we raised our Series A in 2022, and we'll probably raise our Series B either later this year or early next year. Um, what what we are building, we obviously have a, a roadmap for for our technology development and all of the features and, and tools we want to add. And I think if we if, if we look at that for a moment, it's very much about building the tools and the capabilities that enable our investors to be successful in private markets. So it's about providing tools that allow an investor or their advisor to think about portfolio construction, to think about allocation strategy to think about how do you bring these things together and how do you bring it into to a wider remit of, of, a, of an end investor's uh, objectives. Um, so that's where we, we're taking the technology platform. Obviously, integration with, with our many partners uh, across Europe and, and beyond is a, is a very important part of it to give a seamless experience for the end investors. And then obviously, uh, <clears throat> we see a, a, a continued development of our relationships with, with GPs across the world. We already have a, a, a global a global remit there and we are continuously continuously building relationships with great gps all across the world so that we can continue to bring the the best uh, private market solution to our end investors by basically providing access to some of the best uh, private market funds in the world um, and that's what we're very excited about Absolutely. And I, I wonder, can you share any any further kind of info or details on the types of uh, private markets, you know, segments that you're offering? Um, any plans to, to expand those further, be it, you know, geographically or, or in terms of the, as I said, the, the types of, of private markets exposures you, you offer? Yeah. So I think already today we, we have a, a very broad geographical 
geographical coverage in terms of the funds that we offer because private markets and private equity is a global industry and as an investor you uh, you want to have global exposure obviously as an investor you want to pick and choose so you based on your your views and and, and your beliefs in the world um, so that you can pick and choose which types of exposure you want and that's part of what we bring so we already have global exposure i think in terms of, of strategies we're also quite wide ranging uh, we have everything from from vc all the way to 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 very very large cap buyout uh, in in that mix and again we believe it's important to have the full spectrum uh, so that investors can uh, can can bring together a comprehensive portfolio in terms of strategies we are broadening that we 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 already saw have credit we already have certain other alternatives um, but i think one of the areas we are looking at now is also bringing co-investment opportunities again in a thoughtful and responsible way that makes sense for for our end investors and, and ensuring that they that they make those investments with with full knowledge and full full information of course yes and an interesting time i think to be potentially um you know offering that uh, given the fact that sponsors are are quite you know, increasingly open to co-investing with all sorts of different types of LPs. So yeah, very interesting. Um, and I look forward to to hearing more from you um, about Titan Bay's uh, development in, you know, in the coming months. Of course. Yeah, we find that we find that GPs and, and sponsors are very, very interested in, in working with us. We uh, we find that because we represent this new pool of capital that they haven't previously accessed and because we do it in a way that makes it very, very easy for the GPs. We we are single. Uh, we are single ticket. We are single counterparty. We are one one institutional investor from their perspective and we handle all of the all of the complexity in between. And then obviously representing a, a very large pool of capital means that from a from a GP's perspective, that's a very, very attractive uh, uh, proposition. Um, and very importantly, from the end investor's perspective, we believe that because we can get access to and provide access to some of these some of these greatest uh, greatest GPs in the world, um, our end investors uh, are able to successfully build a portfolio in private markets. And at the end of the day, that's what we all measured on is is the success of the end investors. If they're successful in private markets, then we as an industry and and, and the GPs as an industry or the, the, the private equity funds as an industry will be successful. So at the end of the day, that's what we're all aiming for. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, now is widely acknowledged to be, you know, hopefully a, a good time to be investing in private markets and in private equity in particular. We definitely believe that irrespective of, of macroeconomic environment and, and whatever is going on around the world, there are, are good opportunities and there are good opportunities to invest. And as long as you make sure you invest with with, with great managers who know what they're doing and understand and, and, and uh, the environment, then there will be good investment opportunities. Um, so, yes, so we're very excited about both the both the environment, but also also the opportunities right now for investors, and we think it's uh, that that remains undiminished, and we see that in the demand from our investors as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Thomas, so much for taking the time to speak to me and for sharing your thoughts. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Brilliant. Likewise, thank you so much for taking the time, and, and very nice to speak with you. Thank you again to Thomas for taking the time to speak to me for the podcast. Now, Rachel, what stood out to you about the conversation and the points that Thomas was making? I think it was a great interview and, and actually it was a really interesting point that came right towards the end where uh, Thomas described Titan Bay as an institutional investor. Mm -hmm. 
um, with with a large amount of capital to deploy. And again, this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, as in, um, you know, people are starting to see these move on from seeing these types of commitments as say a uh, hundred thousand euros from John Smith and more as a big pool of capital. You know, this is this is fascinating because it's it's not just you know a pension fund has a huge ticket to commit. It's that these intermediaries have huge pools, lagoons of capital that they've collected, um, which include the smaller retail offices, but also family offices and endowments, like Thomas said, that that haven't been able to meet the ticket size. Um, so are well thought out people who really want to start investing in private assets and, you know, private equity is a long term investment. So are largely in it for the long haul. No, absolutely. That kind of, um, yeah, the idea of Titan Bay being seen as a kind of single LP by these sponsors is really important to them because it saves all of that kind of paperwork and effort and actually the time that goes into potentially relationship building. Um, Titan Bay also offers education, I think Thomas said, to the kind of private banks and and wealth managers that sort of manage um, some of this money. And I think that will become increasingly important as well. So on the the M&A side, the wealth management sector is also rapidly consolidating Mm -hmm. and so are private banks. So if players, these intermediaries can get into positions where they're working with consolidators, then that's a huge market potential because it's it's not a fragmented market anymore. Um, the, the assets are largely private equity backed themselves, to be honest. But yeah, that consolidation, it just creates a huge opportunity. Yeah, no, that that's a really good point. There's kind of, you know, medium to long term trends that are in favor of getting these particular pools of capital into private equity. And, you know, clearly Titan Bay is also in this for the long term. Um, I believe the platform was launched in 2020, formed a little bit earlier than that as a company, of course. And they're already backed by Motive Partners, Aberdeen and FNZ. And it's clear that um, Thomas and, and Titan Bay as a whole thinks there's room for future growth there, given that Thomas hinted at further fundraising activity. And he highlighted a few of the kind of growth initiatives they've already had. They're developing their co-investment program. And not too long ago, they announced that they've got a partnership on uh, ESG with sort of uh, fund administration service provider um, Apex Group. So they're kind of offering the full sweet and kind of making sure that the you know there's there's maturity and, and longevity in in what they're doing as well and i think um we should just also say something very quickly about you know the high net worth individuals themselves it's it's a bit sad state of affairs but the with the high interest rates the rich have been getting richer and that means that they're you know, talking about market trends, there is more money ultimately going into these platforms and and into these types of assets. Absolutely. I heard from a private capital advisor a little while ago saying, actually, in the US, for example, there's a lot of um, sort of high net worth and and family offices looking to divert some money into private equity, having, you know, made it in oil, for example. Um, So there's there's plenty of people who, you know, probably will, will benefit from some of the sort of trickier things that are happening on a kind of macroeconomic level. And especially as as the human, con- you know, private equity funds are interested in ESG, but so are people and people want to be investing in impact-driven investments um, for, the, for their own sakes. Absolutely. 
And of course, we we know that it's going to be continuing to be difficult, at least for a little while, to get re-ups even in, in the current market just due to some of those constraints we've already talked about. Rachel, any other kind of pools of capital alternative uh, sources you think sponsors will be reaching out to more in the current market? Yeah, I think so. Sponsors are still very keen to avoid uh, flat or down flagship fundraisers. So there are pools of capital. Uh, I think a particular one which is drawing a lot of attention at the moment is sovereign wealth funds, particularly in the Middle East, who don't have the same constraints around allocation and the denominator effect that the more traditional uh, LPs do. And I think one one particular fund, Sovereign Wealth Fund, which is drawing a lot of interest at the moment is Saudi Arabia's Public Interest Fund, which is invested in uh, funds from Advent, KKR and CBC, just to name a few. So yeah, Sovereign Wealth Funds, uh, retail market, high net worth individuals, there are pools of capital out there. And uh, I think we'll have to see what happens to the fundraising market over the next few years to see whether that pays dividends or not. Absolutely. And as I said, um, you know, platforms such as Titan Bay clearly see this. Um, and Thomas said himself, it, you know, the, what they're doing is not just a symptom of the current market. It's not just to address problems in the, the current market. It's kind of appropriate for sponsors to diversify their funds um, in terms of the LP base with each vintage. And it's arguably appropriate for private investors to get more involved in private equity as well. Absolutely. Good. Well, I think we'll wrap things up there. But thank you again, Rachel, for joining me. It's been great to talk to you. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to this episode. If you like the podcast, then please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye.